0: Bears
1: Nation. All systems are a goat. So Dale, I I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. Tuesday Tuesday Night Bears Therapy. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. When things aren't going right upstairs, let's get some therapy done, boys. You know, in your head.
0: Fix that knock. Mm-hmm. It's time for some therapy. Tuesday night bears therapy.
1: Oh, and Brennan, she's not your girlfriend. She's your therapist.
0: Here's your doctors, Kevin Lapka. Sir,
1: are you a doctor? Your
0: pulse is great. You're as healthy as a horse. You using the whole fist, doc. And Kellen Gerenstein. We're not doctors. We gotta get out of this place immediately, if not sooner. <laughs> All right, on the count of three, here we go. Three, two, one. It's time for some Tuesday Night Bears Therapy. Holy testicle Tuesday. That's right, Bears
1: Therapy. Bears Nation Podcast. It is not Tuesday, it is Thursday. So this is a modified version of Mary's Nation Podcast, Tuesday Night Therapy on a Thursday, plus a little bit of a Bears Patriots preview our audio from our most recent episode. Bears Cowboys, the, we beat the Patriots. Did I yeah, sorry. I, I was I'm all over the place. I was changing the title. Bears Cowboys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so hung up on the game, Con. How can you not be hung up on that game? I'm know, elated man. after what occurred. You. Uh and it's gonna be interesting. This is a therapy session, but there's not a lot of bad to talk about. It's all good stuff. You know? It is all good stuff. Mostly good that's, stuff. And hey that's what you do in therapy. You talk about the good and the bad and everything in between. And today we're gonna talk about a lot of good and uh hopefully the good carries into this game again, Bears Cowboys on Sunday, a big one, a chance to get back to 500. And who would have thunk? You know, you look at the NFC and specifically the NFC North, right? The Packers are struggling, they're three and four, and they have a test this week in Buffalo. They're probably going to drop to three and five. I don't know who Minnesota is playing this week, but I do know that the rest of the NFC, there's about six teams who are at three and four right now. And the Rams are currently slotted at the seventh seed in the NFC uh, playoff standings at three and three. So all I'm pitching here to you, Kellen, is a Bears win on Sunday. And if the cards fall, you know, your way with the other games could be the seventh seed in the NFC, especially. Because we're in the we hunt, have, baby. We're in the hunt. The graphic, the graphic has arrived already. I saw it on Twitter. Yes. I've never been more excited. But again, I saw Kellen Lapko alongside <laughs> Kellen Garenstein here with you guys for about the next hour. talking everything Bears. Kellen, I know you were watching on Monday night. I know we talked about it immediately after the game. Uh, I know we're a couple of days removed now, but you're still riding the high of that victory. Yeah, man. It was it's it's
0: it's good stuff, man. It's it's fun to watch. And I don't I don't understand the quickness to give up on Justin Fields from the rest of the NFL as far as like fan bases go. And I think a lot of it is just trolling and just Twitter people being Twitter people, but like, damn, like. He had his best game as far as, like, all things considered, Monday night, rainy game. You know, he had been coming off a week where he struggled. The team was struggling, playing against the greatest coach of all time in the NFL. You know what I mean? And a guy who historically has killed, you know, a, a guy of Justin enough. Fields experience-wise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he went out there, and, and, and I got, you know, Luke Getzey, Matty Berflus, give them a lot of credit. They put together a really good game plan. And they changed their entire philosophy and said, this isn't working. We need to do more around Justin. Let's do more to, to keep him safe, to protect him, to make him feel more comfortable. And that's what happens when you do that. You, you get a win. And now it like, might not happen like that every week. might not look that pretty every week. But it was pretty
1: good. It was pretty damn good. Uh, And again, we're hoping this momentum carries over to the game against the Cowboys. It's a big one. You're going on the road to Dallas. But the thing I kind of mentioned in our preview episode for this game that, you know, the audio went awry. Again, I'll mention that, that uh, we recorded it with Jake and uh, my connection was terrible. But something I mentioned was I think one of the bigger aspects of the game against the Patriots was – that was a belief game where now this is the standard, right? And you've sort of set a reference point now that you can always go back to when you face, you know, difficult opponents in difficult places, like you do having to go to Dallas and go to Jerry's world, a hard place to play against a really good defense. And, a, you know, they're a five and two team. they they're, they've got a little bit of momentum as well. Now that Dak mm-hmm. is back um, and you can now go in there and say, Hey, we're coming off a win on the road against Bill Belichick in Foxborough on Monday Night Football, going to Dallas and beating that team, which I think uh, is honestly not as good of a football team as a whole complete football team than the New England Patriots, is is easy for it. It's not easy, but it, it's doable. It's achievable. And there's this belief factor now. And, and it's not mm-hmm. just this week, but it's weeks going forward. It's years going forward. For the Matt Eberflus era, you can always go back and say, hey, we d- remember when we did this, right? This is the yeah. standard. Going on the road and beating Bill Belichick uh, at, at his place, that's the standard against a relative again relatively good football team, and I think they're they've sort of instilled belief in the guys now, and as it pertains to this week, like it's a lot of momentum they have going for them right now. it's a lot of momentum. Yeah. You saw the momentum carry over from the 49ers game into the Texans game week two, and the Bears you know barely you know squeaked that one out, but we saw them put up worse performances against you know equally as bad teams, you know the commanders uh being one of them. So I think to me, kellen, that's a belief game, do you agree?
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. They especially obviously for Justin Fields, but for the rest of the guys to kind of rally around and have a, a system that they believe in. They, they see Eberflus's coaching style, his X's and O's knowledge. They see it in fruition. It, just, it doesn't just become a belief in one guy or each other. It becomes a belief in the entire, not program, the entire organization of the Chicago Bears. From Ryan Poles on down to Matt Eberflus to the offensive side of the ball to everything that's being taught, I'm sure it is. And I hope they keep it out because, like we said, I mean, they're not going to win every game this season from now on. I mean, I would love them to. Like, God bless. I mean, Kevin's probably going to pick them every week anyway, so maybe they will. But you know what I mean. No. <laughs> it, no. It, it, no. Yeah, you might, man. You might. No. Why Kevin, do you think that? Kevin, because you're Kevin. That's why. What's my picking record
1: this year, Colin? It's 5-2. and two. I don't know. But how many have – you, have you picked the Bears to lose yet? I had picked the Bears to lose twice, Kellen. I have the best record among the three of us. I'm five have and two. Really? Jake's four and four, uh, or Jake's four and three, and you're three and four. You gotta pick it up, Kellen. You picked. Who'd you pick them to lose to? I picked us to lose to the Packers, and I picked us to lose to the Vikings, and I was right on both of those games. I picked okay. us to beat the Giants, which I don't blame myself for. I picked us to beat the Commanders, and I mm-hmm. picked us to beat the Patriots, and I was right. And you know, you, I guess we'll review it later in this episode. I may or may not pick them to beat the Patriots, or the, not the Patriots, the, the Cowboys. Cowboys. We'll see.
0: We'll see. Anyways, yes, it does become a belief factor, <laughs> and I'm sure that everyone will, in that building, will really look back to this Patriots when it's a turning point. <laughs>
1: there you go, point made. What's up, Ron Winarski? What's up, Jay Capone? To Don in the chat. Also, I am Skox here as usual. Our fellows, our usual folks here. We appreciate you guys tuning in every single week, uh, joining us here for a little bit of Thursday night Bears therapy. If you guys have any questions or comments, uh, we're going to address all of them here. That's our that's our goal here. But again, not a lot of di- disappointment to talk about here. A lot of good things to talk about. We're going to go down a list of good. Bears things. Now, let's talk about the one Bears thing that I guess you can't argue is good. Now, I think it's good. But for the guys inside that locker room and for people who really like the name Robert Quinn, it's not good for you mm-hmm. because he was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fourth round pick. Now, tell him I did not expect it to happen at the time that it happened. You know what I mean? I thought yeah. Robert Quinn was going to get traded in the offseason. I thought that was the most logical point to do it. You were able to sell high on Robert Quinn at that moment coming off the franchise record in sacks, you know, doing the things that he did ranked as pretty much a top 10 edge rusher at that point which he, right. you know, deservedly so. At the time, when you break the franchise record in in sacks for a franchise as historic as the Chicago Bears, you should be rated as a top 10 edge rusher in the game. I thought they would sell him in the offseason for maybe a third or a second. You know what I mean? He's still 32, you know, for a team that is, you know, like the Bills, right, that that are close. And they ended up signing Von Miller. Um, But, you know, a situation like that. And now he goes seven games through the season, collects one sack. And I thought, man, his value could never be lower and I can't believe that there would be a team out there that would give you higher than maybe a fifth-round pick. And here are the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles, which are the most logical destination. You're a 6-0 and team. You're looking for a little bit of a boost at edge. You're willing to overpay when you're in a situation to sell out for the Super Bowl. And the fact that they also have, I think they have two first-round picks this year. Yeah. Somehow, some way though. So it's not a big deal for them. But were you surprised by the trade to Robert Quinn? And what's your overall reaction to it? Because I don't think we talked about it with you. The, the
0: timing, like you said, caught me off guard. Like I, I didn't, ex- I, I, I guess I expected them to try to ship him, but I didn't think they'd find a partner that would give them what the right. Eagles gave them. You know what I mean? I'm sure Ryan Poles tried to find a dance partner in the off season and tried to sell high, and like he just didn't see anything that he liked and just kept him on the roster. And you know, now it is what it is, right? I mean, we got a fourth for him. I don't really know. Even in the off season, I mean, he's what thirty two, thirty
1: three. He's thirty two right now. Yes,
0: thirty two. You're just not even after a record breaking season. I mean, everyone knew he had kind of peaked. It's not like the league was like, "Oh, he's got eighteen sacks. He can get eighteen sacks for us." Like everyone knew that that was kind of going to be the, the high point of the end of the the, the downslope of his career. You know Because now that's Correct. just what happened. So, um, good trade, I think, for both sides. Um, I'm not going to say I'm, if the Bears don't win the Super Bowl, I'm rooting for the Eagles. But I think the Eagles have a damn good <laughs> roster. And, you know, they've, built, they've put together something good. I like Jalen Hurts. I think what they're doing for Jalen Hurts is what the Bears are now going to try and do for Justin Fields. Um, and I saw something the other day, might have been yesterday, of Eagles fans saying that Jalen Hurts is a, is a more natural – that they were laughing at Justin saying Justin Fields was a more natural character than Jalen Hurts. And I got to say, to all Eagles fans, I know you guys are delusional. I know you're the craziest fan base in all of America in every sport, but Jalen Hurts is not a better natural thrower of the ball than Justin Fields. It's just not it. Now, like, is he a, is he a stronger runner? Sure. But even like a pound for pound athlete, like straight up, I mean, just put the tape on Justin is better. So that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to bring down Jalen Hurts because I like him. I think the Eagles are very good. They're obviously better than the bears right now, but good, good trade for both teams. Um, It's, it's, I, I, you know, Poles really has to do his homework in the draft this year because the free agent class we we talked about it already. Weak. It's really not that good. It's not that good. Weak. So it's not a good year to have as much cap space as we do. Um, so I I hope they don't overpay for free agents next year because hopefully in in twenty four the class will be better. God, well, I pray a fair it is. Point. That's a you fair know, point. so I never even thought about that. You can't you can't say like just because this is the first year of. My Super Bowl window that I have to go all out this year and like
1: Good point. put
0: myself in bad position for next year. So I I hope that's in the minds of the people in the Bears front office because like you cannot pay Juju Smith-Schuster like eighteen million mm-hmm. bucks for like three years. Mm-hmm. It just can't happen. You can't you can't pull a Christian Kirk for like the Jaguars did. I think the Jaguars were like this is our you know we have the coach we have the cap space. Let's just go out. We have the draft picks. Let's do it. Let's go all out right now. And maybe now, I know, again, like we said, this year is not a good for Asian class, but Trevor's on his rookie contract through this year and next year. So Jaguars, hopefully they didn't shoot themselves in the foot and I hope the Bears don't make the same mistake.
1: This is such a good point. And I think based off of what we've seen from Ryan Poles, I think you might be right that that's going to be their approach this offseason. season. We've seen mm-hmm. Ryan Poles made a conceded effort, make a conceded effort to save as much money as he can and not spend it immediately. And I think that's what they might do. You have to understand that, you know, I don't, I don't know what the rest of the free agent class looks like as far as the other positions of need for the Bears. I know wide receiver is not good. We know tight end is not exciting either. But what does defensive edge look like? What does, you know, nose three tech look like? Um, those areas I have to take a look at because you can, I would be fine paying top dollar for the number one three tech coming out in, in free agency this year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you are paying for a bona fide star, I think some of the issues with the Jaguars was they're paying guys who are still relatively unproven, right? You paid seventy-two million dollars to Christian Kirk, a guy who was a wide receiver two, wide receiver three in Arizona, hoping he could be your wide receiver one, and he looked like it through a couple games. Then he kind of fizzled out, and he hasn't been, you know, what you paid for. And that's what it's all about: is you have to get value out of all your guys. You have to you have to get value out of what you pay for. You know what I mean? It's like you yeah. this is a common thing in finances and life. You know what I mean? You pay a hundred bucks for something i better get my full 100 dollars worth of it and the same applies for for these football players right. and and you know you feel if you go out and, and you get a wendy's four for four why do you love the four for four because you paid four dollars for it but it's an incredible value it tastes good it fills you up it's got four different components it's incredible and that's how you feel about you know the guys that you can pay two million dollars who end up being impactful players on your team or find you know fifth round rookies in the draft like braxton jones that's good value you know what I mean? And yeah. I think Ryan Poules understands the luxury of that and isn't going to overpay for anybody. Now, here's what I think they could do. Acknowledging the fact that, hey, you know, regardless of whether you don't like the free agent class or not for wide receivers, you have no choice but to bring somebody in. You have to bring a right. draft pick and you probably have to bring somebody in just because you are right. so decimated. It's got to be by two injury, guys. Just it's got to be a high right.
0: draft pick and a high trade right. acquisition or free agent. Or, or, like that.
1: or, right, exactly, The 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 former of what you just said trade acquisition. And you know, we're 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 not going to have another episode uh before the trade deadline actually. Well, we might have our post game episode from the Cowboys game because the trade deadline is Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So, uh-huh. you are coming up on it and I think Kellen we talked about it a little bit. I don't know if it was on our TikTok stream around this if we talked a little bit about the free agent or the trade market and what you think they may do, but you acquire that fourth round pick for Robert Quinn. Do they repurpose that trade or that pick for a trade for a wide receiver, uh, whether that be Jerry Judy or Elijah Moore, who's rumored to be out there, or Chase Claypool, or one of these names that want to get out of their current situations? Mm-hmm. I think they could, right? I mean, you t- and especially, I think you could see a situation. Now, I do think Ryan Poles is doing the right thing and isn't doing the Ryan pace where if they were to win on Sunday, right? And get to four and four. You can't go into full spend mode and say, hey, we're four and four. This is our chance to make the playoffs. Let's let's overpay for somebody. You can't do that. You can't get to that point and say, hey, let's drop a couple second rounders for DJ Moore. No, don't, don't do that. You know what I mean? Don't mm-hmm. get baited by being four and four and mortgaging the future just for what could be this year because obviously that's not realistic and you have this vision. He has this schedule and that doesn't align to mm-hmm. the schedule that he has created. But if you could get a Claypool or a Judy for a third or fourth because the free agent market is so piss poor and yeah. no one knows what's going to shake out in the draft. I think you're going to take a wide receiver regardless. Do you think it's logical for them to be at least active and at least taking calls on these guys before the deadline on November 1st? Cause I think, yeah,
0: yeah, you got to, I know Judy has struggled with his hands in the league. Um, but I think a lot of it is his attitude right now. And he kind of needs a, a, a fresh scene. There, there's Claypool. He's a great player, man. I just, I just, he needs to come here and put his head down and be a good football player and, and don't be that goofy guy that we've grown used to and laughed at. Um, Elijah Moore, I would love, but it seems like he's back on good terms with the Jets now. People have talked about G- DJ Moore. I know we talked about it last week, I think, but might not happen. I pulled up uh, the 24 scheduled free agent class for
1: 2024.
0: Mike Evans who: Before? Hey, before people say anything. If you say, if you say Mike Evans will be resigned, that's fine. Like, like we, we can assume that. but at the same time, like that might be a year where the Buccaneers are coming that guy's like the most consistent human being in the NFL, every year1,000 yards. Buccaneers might be rebuilding at that point, because it'll be the end of Brady's tenure. A lot of these guys are getting old, they're getting injured, they're getting banged up. They're going to try and probably build around the next guy. Maybe Evans isn't part of that, you know, next regime. Bears have a lot of money; to go get them. Um, you get
1: me excited about twenty twenty four, man. We, got, this is ridiculous. My bad.
0: My bad. Um, <laughs> and then uh, KJ Osborne, who's probably going to want at least wide receiver two money, who's wide receiver three on the Vikings right now. I'm not saying that I don't know when Thielen's scheduled to become a free agent. He's not on this list, so it might be in twenty five or some, sometime after that.
1: Okay. Oh, Kellen, where'd you go? Kellen dropped out. Uh, KJ Osborne. I don't know. I'm not overpaying for KJ Osborne. Mike Evans is, is a great name, though. Now, at that point, Mike Evans will probably be, what, like early 30s, though? You're looking at sort of a DeAndre Hopkins-type price as Kellen returns. I exited out the wrong window. My bad. Okay. Worst mistake I've
0: ever made on this podcast.
1: Yeah, we're kicking you off. You're done. Goodbye.
0: But, yeah, uh, you- not talking about 2024 and 2022 yeah. is the best idea, but... Just saying that there there are going to be better names out there, and and Poles has to stick with his vision. Like, I think I give him more credit than I give Trent Baalke. You know, as far as general manager and being smart with money and not overpaying for guys. You know, I I hope that that's that's what he's shown us so far. Is he's being cheap? You know, that 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 is what he's doing. So, but I like that. You know, I I don't like that. Sometimes it seems like our quarterback is getting killed because of it. But I know that's the vision, and like Mike has talked about in this podcast, it's just. That might be what Pauls has told, Eberflus and Fields and Gets, that that's just what they have to work with for now because it's just hard to make it better. So,
1: yeah. So of the names, we went Jerry, Judy, we went Elijah Moore, we went uh, Chase Claypool, and I keep blinking on the, uh, DJ Moore, and then there's like one other guy who's rumored to be traded in, in the free agent market or, or in the trade market. Uh, and he may not be rumored to trade it, but th- there's been rumblings about, it. I don't know, but we'll, we'll go with those four guys. So we'll go Jerry, Judy, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Elijah Moore. You kind of put away the Elijah Moore rumors, and I'm kind of with you. But we've seen this thing kind of happen before. Mm-hmm. Um, of those four, who do you think is the most realistic to be traded if the Bears were to be active at the deadline? And who of them, for the right value, do you want the most?
0: Who's the most likely? I, I think Jerry Judy, Okay. who is – I think you can get a DJ Moore for a second and a fourth. And I would, that much I, for DJ Moore? I would, I would do that for DJ Moore. I would do that. Right now, I'd do it. A two and a four. I'd do a two and a four for DJ Moore. And that might not be enough. Now, then, then you start getting like... Anything higher than a two is a no.
1: Touchdown Ravens. Wow. Two
0: twos is also a no. I okay. think a two and a four, maybe a two and a third is as high as I'd go.
1: Okay, so three. both this year... Um, because I don't know if I'm willing to give up our second and our third this year. If you were to do a two and a four this year, that's fine. I would not love giving up the two, but you have a second four now because you trade for Robert Quinn. But because you don't have a second three, unless you get really lucky and get a third rounder from the conditional formula, uh the conditional draft pick that they're gonna definitely get, given how much they lost this year and the formula uh, that goes into that, I imagine. They would not give up two picks this year unless it was including the fourth rounder they just got from Robert Quinn. Mm-hmm. For Robert Quinn. Yeah, because the thing is that fourth rounder also is gonna be a late round, a late fourth round pick because the Eagles are gonna be so good. What about
0: what about a two and a three next year and a fourth and the fourth they got for Robert Quinn? Would you do that?
1: No. Three picks, three three picks before round four two, three this year, four next year. No way. I can't do that again. Like you just can't. And I, I think they have this ideology and this idea and this mindset that we're going to build this team through the draft. We're going to build this team from the ground up. And I don't think they're going to overpay. I mean, you saw like he's probably sitting there saying, bro, I just potentially got a pro bowler this year and Jaquan Brisker in the second round. I'm going to, I could do that again. I'm not going to give away a second rounder for a DJ Moore, a guy who's established. Um, <laughs> I again, this was the the mistakes that Ryan Pace made in in certain point, in certain situations. So I I think you have to find the value, and that's why the, the first name you said, Jerry Judy, jumps out to me because the problem with DJ Moore is you you're you're paying for reputation with DJ Moore because he's done it, and you have to pay a little bit mm-hmm. higher value for him because you know that regardless, he is going to probably be worth. Uh, he, he's going to give you production that's equal to whatever the, the highest possible production you could get from a guy in the second or third round. You know what I mean? But when it yeah. comes to Jerry Judy, it's unknown. He, he's not proven. And teams are going to sit there in negotiations with the Broncos and say, dude, we're not paying you a, a, a second rounder for Jerry Judy. When we could go into the second round this year and find a guy who's three years younger, who could be just as good, if not better, because Jerry hasn't done anything in the league yet. He's showed flashes like a bunch of other guys in the league has, but he hasn't showed the consistency. And his quarterback situation is certainly there. But when you look at the numbers and when you're in a negotiating uh, circumstance with other GMs, like you, like if, uh, who is the Broncos' GM? Is, is, is Elway the GM, too?
0: Nah, no. he is he an advisor. I forgot who they hired.
1: But I don't hired remember who the GM of the Broncos is. Looking it up now, George Patton. Who the ever the f that is? If you're George Hatton, you can't say, "Oh well, well, Judy had a thousand. He hasn't had a thousand-yard season yet. I don't believe. I think he topped out at 800, and he dealt with injury. I think his his rookie year. But you you don't have leverage when it comes to your negotiations with Jerry Judy, and you're at a point where most of the times the the trade the people who are trading the player, like in the case of Ryan Pose and Robert Quinn, are looking for teams to be desperate. And I think the Eagles were a little bit desperate, and I think they overpaid. But if you're George Patton, the Denver Broncos, you're the desperate one. You're the one who traded multiple first-round picks for Russell Wilson. It's not working out for you. Your team is two and five. You're desperate to regain any picks that you can. So the leverage mm-hmm. is in the hands of the the trade suitors, in the hands of a guy like Ryan Poulos, saying, dude, you need a pick. You just need a pick. And you can't sit here and tell me that we're getting second-round value out of a guy who hasn't put up you know, second-round You know, even first first round career numbers, but even second round, uh, you know, value numbers in Jerry Judy this far, and you're banking on upside. And if you're banking on upside, I'm not willing, and I don't think most GMs are willing to give up a second or third round pick. So I think you could get Judy for a fourth, and maybe you package a a fifth in there as well. And if that's the case, you do it. I'm not sitting here saying Jerry Judy's bad, but that's the that's the reality of the situation. No, I'm with that too. And here's here's a thing
0: that. You gotta think about too is that Justin right the the biggest thing that Justin has to do right now and it's gotta happen like pretty soon, like we gotta start seeing some improvement with it, is anticipation mm-hmm. and understanding when a guy is open, you know? Mm-hmm. And Jerry Judy's skill set is built for seeing a man open because the separation happens instantaneously. It doesn't happen. Over time, like a guy is not separate He is not a separator with the ball in the air, like Jamar Chase is a guy where that's why him and Joe Burrow have he, they make so many plays where you know that the back shoulder throws are the ones where it just seems like damn like they're really on the same page because Jamar is the guy that separates with the ball in the air. Judy is not like that. Judy is a guy that will snap you off after this after the stem after the branch of his route, and that that separation happens as soon as that brick is made so if that that's Justin's thing right now and he has to get better at it. But for him to get comfortable and for him to understand, there's probably there's going to have to be some guys that that are making more plays off of those breaks. And I think Judy is that guy. Now, again, he's gonna have to, he going to catch the ball. That's his problem right now. He, he can't catch <laughs> he the ball right You might need to do right that now. as a receiver. <laughs> you know, that, that's a big thing, man. He is a wide receiver. But I think that's a big part when you think about it, you know, for Justin. And Elijah Moore is a hell of a route runner, too. Don't get me wrong. Elijah Moore has got really strong hands and has a really good route runner. Judy's better, though. Judy, Judy's as far as route running goes, maybe outside of – Justin Jefferson, from, from as far as like a prospect, a young guy we've seen come out of college is the best route runner ever. You know? Wow. I'm not alone in that. I don't think I'm alone in saying that.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember.
0: And I don't that. know if it's translated a hundred percent to the NFL, but as what we what we saw from college, and he's still a young dude. What he's what we saw from college, and he's a really young dude still. He is one hell of a route runner.
1: I you make an phenomenal point and i am scott X agrees that you make a phenomenal point here because this has been something we've talked about since the the inception of the bears offensive struggles specifically the offensive line is he can't afford to wait for eq st brown to use his speed after you know the, the stem as as you mentioned right because he's not getting separation there but mm-hmm. you know if he's got a defender on his hip but he's so say he's running a post route, right? And this is what you're talking about. And he hits that brick. He hits the brick. He hits the stem of a post route. And the, the defender's right in his hip. Yeah, he, you know, he could get separation there because he's just probably faster than that guy. He's an extremely fast player. Um, but at that point, the pocket's collapsing. You know, Sam Moustifer is getting blown up. There's a gap pressure. He's getting, he's getting destroyed already. He can't wait yeah. for that. And that's why we talked about what we thought Luke Getzey needed to design more routes that aren't down the field and and take longer to develop and I think he did a great job of that against the Patriots on Monday but you also don't want to take away one of the bigger aspects of Justin Fields' game, and that's the deep ball. I mean, this was mm-hmm. the number one thing coming out of college for Bears fans that they would point to was Justin Fields is an incredibly good deep ball passer because they saw his accuracy was like number one in college football history, uh in deep throw accuracy. And you know, we had seen it at Ohio State. We know what we were dealing with, but for fans that didn't see it, they looked at those numbers and they're like, Holy crap, you know, you're getting a really, really talented deep ball thrower. And aside from a couple shots here and there to Darnell Mooney, they don't take those shots, you know. And again, part of the reason is I think Justin's a smart enough player to, you know, he's not going to just air it out there and say, F it, you know, EQ St. Brown's down there somewhere. Your EQ right. doesn't have the the luxury of, of uh, being that good where Justin can feel comfortable doing that. But if you have, you know, five yards of separation, that's a lot. A couple yards of separation at that stem, Justin's going to feel more comfortable throwing it while he's getting hit. You know, mm-hmm. you know, just throwing it at all towards those guys. And, and to be quite frank, as much as we love Darnell Mooney in those deep shots to Darnell, it's not that much separation. Like Darnell's yeah. a really fast guy. And I think he's actually a really good route runner. He's a technician uh, at times. I see when he's running his routes. But I mean, be honest, when you think about those plays just this year uh, and a couple last year, Darnell Mooney, how, how many of them does he have like a legitimate amount of separation where if it's a good ball or even if it's a little bit under thrown, he's running away from the guy. You don't see that too often.
0: Yeah, no, we need to see a more from him too cuz I feel like he kind of had it a little bit more in 2020 than he does now as far as the deep separation goes. But again, like if this offense this offense doesn't have to be built around the deep ball right now. Now, eventually you have to build toward, you know, progress toward that because it has to become a part of your offense because Correct. hopefully you get fast you have fast guys now. Hopefully you get fast guys that are consistent catching the ball up and down the field. You got a a guy at quarterback who has a, a very good deep ball who is very accurate with the deep ball. So you do have to build around that eventually, but as of right now, your offensive line is not built to stand. Like you said, Kevin, they're all not built to stand in there for a long time and take those downfield shots. So a guy like Judy, who is really good in the intermediate game and not the more I talk about it, I guess the more I really am in for a Judy trade. Um, But just any guy like that who can really create separation, you know, right off the bat, you don't have to see him open. I think that's, that's very valuable to the offense right now because then Justin doesn't hold the ball and Justin doesn't take sex and Justin doesn't leave the pocket when he doesn't have to, when he has that guy, when he has players like that,
1: you know, absolutely. Absolutely. You just, you just talked me right into it. You just talk like a Judy was already the number one on my list because I think mm-hmm. he has the most upside, but you know, again, just his tape coming out of college and he's still young and it, it just, it, it makes a lot of sense now, I am Scox here in the chat. Speaking of talk, taking shots, that deep corner route on third down to EQ was overthrown or thrown out of bounds, question mark, he asks, because it wasn't even catchable. I'm trying to remember that play. I can't remember that play. I remember I the shot remember. to Mooney in the corner that he, you know, that Aikman was talking about. He needs to throw that a little bit. Uh, with a little bit more air under it. I think he said it was too flat. And on a play like that, he needs to put some more air under it to make it catchable because he had thrown like a laser and it was just, you know, way over the head of Darnell Mooney on that. Uh, it was tight coverage as well. But I'm trying to think about this throw to EQ. I can't remember it. Do you? Uh-huh. Warner, probably on the left side of the field. Man, I don't remember that. But there was a couple of plays like that where he, he did look for the shot and he kind of overthrew it. I, I think... You know, Justin was doing a good job on Monday night. If that play had happened during a lead, I think he was conscious of, hey, we're, we're playing a good football game. Our defense is playing well. Let's not make a mistake that's going to flip the momentum of this game. We're on the road against Bill Belichick. One mistake, one interception there uh, in that moment could completely change the trajectory of the game. So I think if I had to guess, although I don't remember the play exactly – it was probably a throwaway because he was conscious of that and just saying, hey, if it's not right there, I'm just going to toss it out. Where Our offense is working anyway. This isn't a must-have play. Um, and I think that's what they were going for there. And I, I've seen that a couple times from Justin, I think, where he's in those moments, he's not entirely as aggressive as he can be um, because I think he's just conscious of the moment. But, you know, again, you, you also can't blame him. If he recognizes that there's less than a yard of separation the defender's right at the hip, you know, sure, you can argue that he should have the confidence to put in the perfect spot, but smart play might to just be sailed over his head and don't force anything.
0: Yeah, especially in the red zone, too. If you're toward the end zone, you, know, you don't want to, unless you're like,
1: you know, you're end just feeling clear. it. But yeah, not, I think I remember I this now. Yeah, I think I remember this. Throw it out. Um, and this,
0: this is something that Justin does have to get better with, like 100%. Like it can't always be like, I need to see my guy open. But what I'm saying this is, is now for his growth and for his confidence and for him to develop. I think that that might be important to have a guy like that because let's be honest, that is the, that is the weakness that we all knew that was part of his coming into the league. We all know the talent. And in order to cash out on that, that just might be what you have to do. Like in some cases, if, if you say this is what I, 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 this is what we drafted and this is what we have to do to get him to this point. Sometimes you have to do whatever that thing is in the middle to get him there. And in Mm -hmm. this getting a player like that might be what they have to do.
1: Absolutely. Man, I'm sold. I'm sold. Now I will say of those four players, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, who is the names we said Elijah Moore. And, and Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy. I would say the, from most likely to least likely to be traded. Most likely is Chase Claypool. Least likely is probably DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. Second, most likely is probably Elijah Moore. And I think third most likely is, uh, Is Jerry Judy Judy. again? The only reason I say that is it makes too much. I I alluded to the fact that it makes too much sense for the Broncos to reload on picks and give up or or, you know, just get back a fourth rounder because you're two and five. But at the same time, if you're the GM, if you're George Penn aren't you sort of sending mixed signals at that point? Because here you are in the offseason mortgaging everything. You're paying court and the sudden you're, you're giving up a whole of, a heck of a lot for Russell Wilson. And then if you start to say, hey, we're going to sell a guy who we still think can be pretty good in this offense, it's sort of giving this signal that, well, what is, what's your plan? You know, you, you, you're you going two totally different directions now just seven weeks after the season has begun. You know, here we are in the beginning of the season. People are picking us to win the Super Bowl. We're all in. We're spending money on, on you know, talented players. We're, we're, you know, we're extending guys. We're, you know, giving up draft capital for Russell Wilson. Seven weeks into the season, you give up on that, although they're two and five, and it's like a 2% chance to make the playoffs because the AFC is pretty loaded right now. I don't. I, I am worried that it sort of does give a mixed signal, and that could prevent him and deter him from doing that.
0: Yeah. Um. Hope not. <laughs> I, oh. I. I think that they know that there is some offloading that they have to do, um, just because of frustration, and some guys just need to change, and and all of that. Um, and maybe it's not Judy. Maybe it's KJ Hamler. You know, maybe they're they're a part of the same rookie draft class. I'm not saying that he's the best fit for the Bears, but I'm saying as far as the Broncos, I think that they have to offload someone. And I hope for the Bears' sake that it's shooting. I hope he comes to the Bears for the right Right. price. But, you know, we'll see what Patton and, and, and company does.
1: Absolutely. A lot of trade talk. Let's go back to the Bears here. Let's talk a little bit of Bears Cowboys here. We're going to preview this game just a little bit for you guys here. For those in the chat who were here last night, we, we did the recording last night. Uh, there was a ton of lag and a ton of latency there. So we weren't able to really put out that audio. So we're going to do kind of a redo preview of the Bears Cowboys game. So apologies for a little bit of redundancy for those in the chat. I am Scott's one of them. But uh, Helen is here. Instead of Jake. So he'll have a couple fresh takes for us on Bears Cowboys. And we're I'm pretty amped up about this game, Kellen. Like the just and I don't know how you can't be right. I mean, given what happened on Monday night, everyone's back in on the bears. It's not just us anymore, Kellen. It was us on Tuesday night therapy saying everything's gonna be all right, saying we're gonna be fine, and all Bears are gonna be fine, and, and no one bought into it. And now the Bears get one big time win, and now everyone's back in. They're jumping right back on the bandwagon, and you have a chance to go, and it's essentially it's essentially another primetime game because they get the main game on Fox. And apparently, like, I looked at the coverage map, like 80% of the country is seeing Bears-Cowboys, uh, you know, for the for the main game on Fox in the local markets. So a lot of eyes, again, once again, on the Bears. And, of course, people love to clown the Dallas Cowboys. So people are going to have their attention facing Bears-Cowboys at noon in Jerry's World. What's your temperature on this game as far as how confident you feel?
0: Um... God, I just I don't know where to gauge this Bears team. Yet. I don't know if they're the type to like come off a win how they just had and and really you know capitalize momentum, yeah, or or if they you know sometimes teams have emotional wins or big wins and then they fall flat the next week, you know. So very true. I I hope that. This is not the case for the Bears, obviously. I hope they play a good game. I think the Cowboys have a better roster than we do. I think they have a better football team than we do. I don't think a lot of people would disagree with that for the most part. But are we built to compete with them? Yes. Are, 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 are we built to – is, is Matt Iberflus and Luke Gatsby hopefully doing the homework to you know get us going, get us moving the ball, and have the defense been playing the way they have? Absolutely. So I would say I'm lukewarm. I think that's a good term. That's, that's
1: fine. That. We'll take lukewarm.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I, when when you ask, don't ask me for my pick now because I wouldn't be able to tell I you won't. because I think Michael Parsons was on the injury report today. He Was he showed up? So he showed up. He, Didn't play though,
1: right? Okay. I don't know. I mean, you don't show know. up as limited, you know, yeah, we've seen it happen before. If I to, I'm going to evaluate this game as if he plays because it obviously changes way too much if he doesn't play and I can't I can't just right. get my hopes up like that. I'm I'm evaluating it as if he plays, but you show up with something lingering and and you know, who knows? Maybe they maybe they take the Bears for granted. Maybe they think, "Hey, you know, I don't know what their schedule looks like after this game, but if they have a relatively tough schedule following the Bears, maybe they say, "Hey, why rush to get Parsons back out there when we have a bigger stretch coming up?" Where it's the Chicago Bears, right? Rah, 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 rah. We can take him for mm-hmm. granted. We don't have to play Micah Parsons if we have a tough schedule uh after this week. Get him healthy, keep him rested up, and, and he plays next week. I can, I could see the the Cowboys and their dumb asses doing that. Sorry, any Cowboys <laughs> in the uh, cowboys fans in the chat. Here's the probably reason why I think be. I know there probably shouldn't be, but we've had Lions fans in here before. We've had all different sorts of people in here before. <laughs> Here's why I believe it's sort of unknown for me how to evaluate this game because, again, you mentioned, oh, we've seen the Bears do this where they have wins and they come out flat the next week and you see you see teams do this all the time. But when it comes to the Bears and this particular team and really this franchise, when was the last time they had a win this big against an opponent like that where, yeah, the opponent wasn't a phenomenal opponent, but a I would say a good opponent and obviously difficult circumstances with a young quarterback on prime time on the road against that head coach, the greatest coach of all time. I'll ask you: When was the last time they had a win of that magnitude? Not just because of the situation, but because you won the game by 19 points. I mean, I don't know. I, Bucks, I you know what
0: Thursday Night Football in
1: 2020. Yeah,
0: but they weren't dominant in that. You know, we kind exactly. of squeaked by. You exactly. know what I would say is like 2018 last game of the season against the Vikings when okay. like, it was like, Oh, the Vikings, like they got to win this game to get in the playoffs and all this is good. And then the bears came out and in, 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 in the, whatever the fuck that MNC bank, US State bank. not MNT U S bank. And they just curb stomped them and they ran up and down the field. Kirk was very terrible. The defense was really good, but like that game didn't really matter to the bears because they were already in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So that's not even the same. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, think of how hopeless, you know, we only played the Patriots every four years of our childhood. But think of how hopeless you felt almost every time we played exactly. against them. You know, and and I know they don't have Brady anymore, and they're not the same team they used to be. But I mean, shit, still like this. This was a damn good win. It's a damn good yes, win.
1: It was a dominant win, and this is why I say it's unknown. Is because we haven't seen a win like this since 2018. We don't know how this team is going to respond because. We haven't seen this before. Like we've seen the Bears have impressive wins, big wins against bad football teams at home. You allude, you know, alluding to the Texans game in 2020 where you beat them like 38 to something and Mitch had the great game and Montgomery had that 90-yard run in the first drive and they were able to stack a couple wins late in the season that year that got them into the playoffs. But again, we're talking about the circumstances and the magnitude of this win and not only, you know, how difficult it was for them to go in there and do that, but the fashion in which they did it is why I believe it's sort of unknown. Like, they, like, we don't know. This could be the turning point that you mentioned, and they could go in and completely surprise the Dallas Cowboys and surprise some of these teams and go on a little bit of a run. Like, it typically, I would say more often than not, when you see a team have a win as dominant as the Bears had on Monday night, it typically results in some sort of win streak. Like, I feel like pretty rarely you will see a team fizzle out, at least for the next you know, four weeks, fizzle out and, and lose a couple more games. Usually they'll either win the next game or win a couple more and go on a, a relatively nice run. And the Bears have a pretty favorable schedule coming up. And if you were able to beat the Cowboys and build momentum against those two teams on the road, and then you come home, I believe for two consecutive games against the Falcons. Oh, wait, no, they don't play the Falcons at home. Oh, who do they have the week after this? I can't remember. I should know this schedule like the back of my hand. Um, <laughs> You have a real potential to build some momentum. And I think, given what this team has done, there's a real chance that that momentum is real and they could go on a little bit of a streak here. Who do they have?
0: We got the Dolphins on November 6th.
1: And all of a sudden, that's a team that looks extremely beatable. A team that started three. Now, are they four and three now or three and four?
0: They're four and three. I would love to beat the Dolphins, man. I really would. God, I would. They're freaking tool lovers over it, man. Like, I hate Tua is yeah. he's benefiting so much from the system and the That's and the neat. weapons around him. Like he is the definition of a system quarterback right now, and he's doing a great job of, of of operating and being a maestro of the system. Like I'm not gonna sit here and say he's he is bad, but he's not great. I saw Emmanuel Acho come out with a take today that said Tua was better than Justin Herbert. And I was like, and I know Dolphins can just hate that shit, up. and it's so pitiful.
1: He's, it's not, so good. Pitiful. he's
0: not good.
1: He's not good. I mean, like he's fine, but like. I, I, don't, I don't know.
0: I, I, his I, talent is not on the level of, of even like a Zach Wilson, and I am not a Zach Wilson fan. And I think Tua will have more success than Zach Wilson. But
1: I, I don't think the talent is there. You know what I mean? I'm with you. I'm with you. I, 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 I totally feel you. That's a winnable game. And then they got the Falcons after that. They go on the road to Atlanta after that. Um, what, I want to say. We are, we are
0: home against the Lions after Miami, and then we're on the road to Atlanta.
1: There you go. So those are three winnable games in a row that you, I would say you should win because you have Miami at home. And if you were to beat the Cowboys, I would say the Bears should be favored in that game and should win that game. You're going to have a bunch of winnable games, man. And it's really going to be a testament to like this team for the future in the era of Matt Eberflus. If you're able, because this is how this, this is what good teams do. Good teams win in dominant fashion. And then they keep winning. They stay consistent. They build something. they discover what works, right? Maybe it just yep. took them seven weeks to discover what worked. It took some time, all right? And that's fine. You have a really young team with a new system and a new head coach and a lot of injuries. You haven't even been fully healthy. rightfully so, we can admit whether you want to or not, it was probably from the start going to take a little bit more time than we anticipated. But because we're fans and because we want Thank to you. see success so quickly, we weren't really we weren't willing to be patient. But now that it's arrived here in week seven, you know, maybe, maybe it all just clicked for them. It certainly seemed to click on Monday night. And, man, if they can keep that rolling, like, it could be dangerous. And we had – I forget who we had on today. Uh, we had somebody on the score. Uh, it, was, it was Boomer Esiason, I think, who was okay. saying, if, you, if I were a, you know, the two or three seed in the playoffs and I saw the Bears as the seventh seed, I'd be scared as hell. Because he thinks that the Bears are a very, 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 very scary team to play in a one-game winner-go-home matchup, and I was shocked to hear that. Like, really? trust me, I, I work for Chicago Sports Radio. We talk to national analysts every single hour. It's amazing how high the national media is on the Chicago Bears after that game. Like, it wasn't just a fluke for most people. Like Trey Wingo, you know Boomer Esiason, Trent Dilfer, you know yeah, all no these Dilfer guys. No Dilfer and Warner,
0: they really like Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, they love Justin Fields, but. They're all thinking like, hey, the Bears are probably going to give the Vikings a run for their money in the NFC North. Like That's what the narrative is right now in the national media. So,
0: Yeah. Robert Lee, absolutely. 100%. No doubt about it. He is the most talented quarterback to ever step through the Bears organization.
1: No doubt. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we knew that. Um, we knew that from the start. And you're starting to see it. You're starting to see it. You are starting to see why. You know, we had seen it before, the flashes of it, but the consistency has started to become evident. I guess we'll pick your brain a little bit more about that game on Monday night. You know, we have a lot of great QB analysis out there, but none better than Kellen Garrison here from the QB himself. Uh, there's a lot of people, again, I work with the score and Delfer does a great job. And there's, you know, Tim Jenkins out there who does a great job. But Kellen, let, let's get your... Little here, five-minute breakdown. If you, if you have a little breakdown prepared, if you, if you can just kind of go off the cusp here of what you saw on Monday night with Justin and why you think that was such a significant point, not in the uh, career, or not in the, the season of Chicago Bears, but for the career of Justin Fields, kind of break down what you saw, what they did well, and why you think it was such a big leap for Justin Fields on Monday night, because this could very well be the point where we look back on Justin Fields' career 10 years down the line, and we said, Monday. October, what was that, 22nd? Monday night, October, whatever it was, was the night that changed Justin Fields' career for mm-hmm. the better. I want you to tell me why that could not be an asinine take.
0: Yeah. Um, let's, let's start with first the obvious thing is the use of the legs on the ground. Let's look at how important it was for young guys like Cam and Lamar to incorporate that as a part of their game. And for it to obviously affect them as a passer, you know, to make them a better passer, it happens with guys like that, and it will happen with guys like Kyler and future guys who come into this league or of that style. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to—they don't want to be an athlete all their life and use their athleticism and then get to the NFL and be put into the mold. That's what we talked about. Mm-hmm. You can't—you can't put Justin in the mold of guys like Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins and others who have succeeded in this system and point to that as to why that's why we're making you do the things that you do. You can't do that. Um, And then just, I mean, sheer raw talent that still hasn't been uncovered. We saw him, you know, people are, people are saying like the reason why Ohio state quarterbacks don't succeed and why, you know, this is obviously a stupid take as it is, but but before I say it, I want to clarify that. And (laughs) people are saying like, you know, we should be hesitant about CJ Stroud for that reason. Um, Is that they're throwing to open receivers, and the separation factor is just so easy. And, and admittedly, some of it is true, right? I mean, guys like Marvin Harrison and Mecha Ibuka, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba are not tested every Saturday in the Big Ten Conference. That's just what it is. But are you going to sit here and tell me that, you know, Mac Jones and Bryce Young and, and Joe Burrow, Joe, Joe Burrow, and I know Joe Burrow's anticipation and his processing was really on point. But the guy was throwing to the two best receivers in college football, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase at the time, and another guy who was a second round pick in Terrace Marshall. Although I forgot, they also had the son of arguably the greatest receiver of all time, and Thaddeus Moss was the son of Randy Clyde Edward Taliaferro, who was a first round running back, a bunch of high level draft picks on the on, on the offensive line. That team so was ridiculous. you cannot tell me that just because that this is what he had in college is the reason why he's struggling in the NFL. No, that is Justin. Struggle with that in college too. There were times when we, 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 we shouted at the TV like that guy's open, throw the ball. It wasn't a lot, but there were times it happened. So that sheer talent has yet to be uncovered. It has yet to be resolved. And obviously he's a likable dude. I think Zach Wilson has made himself a likable dude, and there's nothing wrong with Zach Wilson. I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback as far as an NFL player goes. But, you know, every, you hear Zach Wilson talk in an interview. You see him play on the field he does he's not like an unlikable guy he's not fucking dirty like mac Jones is, right oh my god you know so there's so much of that that has yet to be uncovered and i know that he wants to to be that and part of his all of his evaluations from from like trusted guys were, were the same things accurate big strong arm not like a mahomes or a josh allen or a justin herbert arm or you could still probably say Trevor Lawrence is, 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 a, is a little bit stronger, but not really like it on a, on a, on a threshold that matters. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like Justin can still make all the throws that Trevor can. Uh, insane pound-for-pound athlete. Maybe I, I, Cam Newton is probably the best pound-for-pound athlete to ever play the quarterback position. Um, right. And I'd put Josh Allen close behind, and, and I don't really know. Wow. I mean, I'm, Vic Vic is up there, and I'm sure there's some guys that are older. That, that are up there. But I, I'd put Justin, like, he's got to be top 10, if not top 5. The guy is 6'3 and runs almost a 4, 3, 40. 2.25? Yeah. He can throw the ball in the run. Uh, he's, a, he's a forced player in the run game. There's so many things that you can do with him. He, he does have to put it together. And you ask me, well, why should I have faith that he puts it together? Well, I'm just trusting my eyes. You know, that's as simple as that. We can we'll, we'll, If that's where we disagree that's where we disagree but he showed the accuracy in college he showed it at times in the NFL i think a lot of it is him being confident and just getting more experience behind a i know Lucas Packers just went on IR but a hopefully more mm-hmm. stout offensive line that can give him time because right now he does need it because he is he is a little he is understanding you know the flow of the game more and more as it goes on but i think there's less of those moments every game where you say, like, ah, that was rough. You know, there's less and less of those now. There was a couple in the Washington game. There was even less in the Patriots game. And there's more positive plays, too. I mean, not everyone – I know it was just a screen pass, but not everyone can make that play. Not everyone can can see the edge rusher coming right off the snap. True. Pump it, get him to jump, and then – Throw around him with the sidearm. I know a lot of guys are being trained to throw sidearm. We talked about to to have a sidearm throw. We talked about that in the summer
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, on Bears Nation Podcast, but we did. Not everybody can do that, and not and and you saw like it was wet, and the ball did not come out clean. It was a wounded duck. You know, somebody took a shotgun and shot that football right before it came out of Justin Fields' hand. But it got <laughs> to Khalil Herbert, he made the throw. It's not like he flinged it in there. I mean, it was it was a good touch. It was with it was put in the right place. And that's what you have to. That's what you have to do at quarterback. You have to execute. That's how you win football games. Like we are, we don't. We are not in the business of making Justin Fields, Patrick Mahomes with fifty touchdowns and five thousand yards every year. Maybe Justin Fields' is ceiling in his entire career is 4,300, 4,200 passing yards. Right. But hell, if we're consistently winning games, he's consistently making plays, and we're not turning the ball over. Why are we complaining about that? I think everyone wants to turn him into this high level, you know, five thousand yard passer. And that's, that's not what we have to do. So that's my, I don't know how long that was, but God bless. I'm so happy we got Justin Fields still.
1: I would agree. And now here's what I'm going to do real quick. I'm going to look at the statistics for Lamar Jackson and his 2019 MVP season. Okay. okay. Because you mentioned, you know, maybe his ceiling is 4,200 yards. Maybe his ceiling is, uh, yeah, 4,200, 4,300 mm-hmm. yards. And there's going to be fans who say, well, uh, that's not enough. You, you, can't, you, you can't be anything if you're not throwing for 45. You know, there are, there's going to be people who think about that, right? And mm-hmm. here's what I'll read to you, okay? Lamar Jackson in 2019, who I believe was the unanimous? Unanimous? Oh, yes. So. He was the first, in, or no, he was the second unanimous MVP in NFL history. Behind Tom Brady in 2010,
0: guess how many passes Younger Jackson 22. had that year. Was it like 3,900? I don't even think he got four. Try again. 000, was
1: it? Try again. 3,600.
0: Try again. Am I going the wrong way? Or am I going the right way? You're going the right way. <laughs> uh, 34. Try again. 32.
1: <laughs> Try again.
0: What? Okay. Three thousand. Uh, Thirty-one. 62. I don't. Three. 30, okay. Thirty-one.
1: Three thousand one hundred and twenty-seven passes. Ravens were again. what
0: fourteen and two that year.
1: I, yeah, something like that. Something, they they were the number good. one scoring offense in the NFL, and and, and uh, Lamar ran for one thousand two hundred and six yards. So that's mm-hmm. really obviously. And then I I gotta yeah they were fourteen and two, number one seed in the AFC, and they lost in the divisional round to the Titans. Um, but I I, I don't I don't remember how many touchdowns he had that year, but obviously that was the biggest factor. But again, this is the narrative that you don't need to be a 4,200-yard passer to be the second unanimous MVP in NFL history. You know what I mean? And like, I think mm-hmm. what people need to start understanding, and I think we have talked about this for the longest time and no one bought into it, was 40% of the reason Justin Fields is going to be a great player in this league is because he is a special runner. And week after week, you see special runs. And now that it's you know an actual part of the game plan that has been implemented by Luke Etsy. I think you're going to see him get close year after year to probably that a thousand yard rushing mark because they're setting yeah, as he should this season as he should. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like even if they weren't doing design runs, like it's a relatively reasonable uh, goal to reach. I'm checking his numbers right now. Um, again, I tweeted this out the other day and we had people stealing it on bears, Facebook and everywhere. It kind of went viral. He has more rushing yards this year than Najee Harris, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and has more rushing yards than these quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Colin Murray. Now, there is the truth that at the point when I tweeted that, Justin had played one more game than Allen and Hurts, and Kamara had been injured, and all those things are true. But again, it's proven the point that Justin Fields is a tier one rusher of the football among the quarterback position. I'd put Justin, Kyler, Allen, I'll put Hurts in there and Lamar. Well, we'll say Lamar is in a tier of his own, and then Allen, Hurts, Kyler, and Justin are all in tier two. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So again, that, I, I just I, I I love I love that you brought that up and that we looked at Lamar's stats there and that thirty three. He only threw for three thousand one hundred twenty seven yards. How many yards is Justin on pace to throw this year? You
0: gonna do the seven math? Games. Go ahead, do the math.
1: He has thrown 1,048 yards. yards. He's going to get up around like 2,400. Okay. And that's including a couple games where Justin threw for like 60 yards. So if Mm -hmm. next year, if we're talking next year, Justin Fields rushes the football for 1,100 yards. He throws for 3,500 and he scores 27 touchdowns. Justin Fields is a top three candidate to win the MVP award if the Bears are a winning football team. And that's that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, that's what matters most at the end of the day. When you talk about the MVP award, is is your team winning enough? Like, if the Bears were to get the one seed, like your numbers could be less spectacular. But because you were the one seed, you're going to get the award. Like that's why Lamar got it in 2019. Not only was he great, but they were 14 and two. You are literally proving that you are the most valuable player in the league. Think about the the, the words in the acronym. Uh, mm-hmm. So there you have it. That was fun. I might make that into a little TikTok. That's that because like it's eye opening for a lot of Bears fans, I think, because we are yeah. so caught up in the history of the fact that we've never had a four thousand yard passer, and everyone's right. waiting for that, like which is a mind boggling statistic, and it's it, it's mm-hmm. in the first place. But maybe it's not needed. Justin threw maybe Highland it's not United needed. Patriots. Maybe
0: it's not needed. Uh, one one uh, he was uh, under two hundred. I think it was 182, something like that. Yeah. One, one, one yeah. eighty.
1: Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> you scored 33 points and manhandled of the Patriots on 180 yards passing. 179. Like, like, yep. Yeah. And like, yeah, so it's at the passing league and these things are true. And the Ravens haven't won a Super Yeah, But like, you gotta win football games first. And if this is your formula for winning football games and yeah, and again, we're not saying Robert Lee makes a good point. He says, I think he can do it all. Give him a pocket and he will throw from it along with everyone else he can do. Right. And we're not saying that Justin's ever going to be, you know, Not a great passer and saying, Oh, well, he's not a good passer, so he must rely on his legs. We're just saying, like, if he doesn't ever reach that threshold, it's not a bad thing. But we do believe a successful
0: offense that that is ran through Justin Fields doesn't may not look like a 5,000 yard passer, is what we're saying. That doesn't, you know, we can't let the (laughs)
1: yards define his success. Ron Winarski in the chat, Justin is too good, he needs to be (laughs) traded. He's too good. All right,
0: Ron Winarski. All right, all right.
1: I think, I think, Ron's, I think, Ron's, uh a bear, I think he's a Justin Fields guy. Um, Cornelius Squall is also a Justin Fields guy. If you guys are in the chat, we're going to be here for a couple more minutes. We'll take all your questions and all your comments here before we head out. Uh, <laughs> everyone's now roasting Ron for that take. Uh, Dropping any questions, comments. This is, again, Tuesday night, Bears therapy on a Thursday. I'm sure Kellen's probably doing homework in the background. No, uh, he's no, got, no. He's no, got no, things no. to take care of. I don't know what uh, that is, my man. <laughs> okay. That, I love it. I love it. Um, that, that's... that's <laughs> I do uh, for all the kids out there, stay in school. Do your work. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Do your definitely homework. do that. But uh, when you get to my age, classes start to get a little boring. But you
1: know, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, when I was a senior in college, oh, so it's long hard. ago, uh, <laughs> four months ago, uh, yeah, I had no will to do anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like i'm getting this diploma in a couple months What's the point of me keeping the you know, b in this class anyway uh anyway i can stay in school keep keep those straight a's uh i just want to hear again your uh let's let's do this let's do full predictions for the game on sunday against dallas i'll go first so i can give you some time to think about it plus i already uh, had this thought about because we did it yesterday and no one will hear it because that audio is trash and we had to throw it away but i'll say it again for that reason dominic robinson who will see a large increase in snaps because of the trade to robert quinn has made his presence felt this year uh in a number of ways when he's been on the field he hasn't been on the field a lot his snaps his snap percentage has been pretty low i don't know the exact number for uh his yearly total but obviously it's been gibson and muhammad and, and quinn in that rotation before dominic robinson but when dominic robinson has been on the field he has been extremely impactful And you're facing a team now with an offensive line that's been shakier than ever for the Dallas Cowboys and a quarterback, specifically in Dak Prescott, who holds the football a little bit too long and is extremely turnover prone, especially in the pocket when he loses the football and he doesn't feel the pressure coming from his backside. I think Dominique Robinson gets a strip sack in this game. He gets after the quarterback. I think he's going to make the most of his increase in snaps. I think we're seeing it right now. He's going to come off the edge, you know, on. Uh Dak's uh, blind side kind of just swat the ball away as he's in the throwing motion Bears take away Dominic Robinson makes his present fall on Sunday that's my boldest prediction if you guys have any bold predictions please drop them in the chat we'd love to hear them but Kellen do you have something scorching hot a scorching hot prediction because hey I was almost right about mine last week so it makes a real good video on the internet if you can say this and be right and I compare a video with it and you will go viral sir so go with a bold prediction here that you think is 100% going to hit all
0: right. Last time in a controlled environment, meaning a, a, a dome or a roof football stadium, Justin Fields had his highest passing output in his best game um, of the season to that point against the Vikings. And he didn't even have that good of a first half, to be honest. And now that Luke Getzi has found his stride in the passing game, Justin threw 27 attempts against the Washington Commanders and I think against the Vikings and the Patriots, he threw 21, which are his highest totals of the season as well. I think he gets 250 yards for the first time in his career, I believe, as a passer. Um, The Vikings' secondary is a little bit more, uh, uh, looks better than the Cowboys, uh, in my opinion. I know Michael Parsons is there. I know um, Demarcus Lawrence is there. And I know that uh, they have a solid football team. And uh, Trayvon Diggs is who he is. But Trayvon Diggs is prone.
1: Trayvon Diggs is burnt toast, To getting bro. beat.
0: Yeah, Trayvon Diggs is, pr- is prone to getting beat. He is great in phase, but he is also not good because he's great in phase. You know, so Jerry World, um, Justin Fields, 250 passing yards. I don't know what else he totals with it, but I think 250 is reasonable. Wow. Um,
1: wow. Yeah? You like that? This is that? a good point. This is a good point. I love it. And I-, I will say, he had 291 against the Steelers last year on Monday Night Football. Ah, okay, okay. total. Yeah, and I I looked that up. I was like, I'm pretty sure he had plus 250 before, and I think he had a. Is there have, any other might, time? I want to say he might have had it against the Lions that one game last year when he okay. was going off with Mooney and they put up like a ton of points. God, that was a fun game. I remember yeah, that. I remember I was in the car in that game back, and I was watching. I like couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, "This is it. This is it." You know, Justin Mooney. <laughs> you know, it's the future. And, and there was all the controversy still about um about Dalton, and it was you know I was like, yeah. 209. He only had 209 that game. Yeah, so I think this would only be the second time he's cleared 250. Um but I like that and I honestly was thinking about this. I was like, man, like in a dome, like, is he a different player to dome? Like, do we need to build Arlington tomorrow if this is the case? Like, put <laughs> a dome I just, like, get a helicopter and drop a big-ass dome on Soldier Field? Maybe he's just a dome killer. I'm trying to think of the other yeah, games man. that he played in a dome in last year. I mean, he had the rushing touchdown against uh, the Rams in week one. What other dome games did they play last year? I mean, you had the two I got the in, game the, log up right now. You had the one in Minnesota where, again, uh, last the year he didn't play – in minnesota he had a good game against the raiders and a dome he had a good game that game or it wasn't a great game but they won and he had a, a relatively okay he, game
0: he, he played pretty well that game they didn't really cut him loose but he played he, he was good <laughs> when they needed him to be
1: that was good I like how we're scheming up we're scheming up here that you know we're, we're making listen man we're, oh i don't Justin want them to believe soldier
0: but i no, no, no. don't want to talk about it man they're, they're gone they gotta go
1: who, who has to go oh uh, oh, uh, uh, no, no 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 just they gotta leave restructure it put a dome on top of it it's going to be fine stay in soldier we're good it's going to be great it's like minecraft Um,
0: you just put glass over the top of it
1: yeah exactly yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) as a quarterback kelly like is there is there really a difference between playing in a dome like be honest like is there in the city of chicago
0: when your home games are on the lakefront yes there is but um i mean Uh, you, you you wear you wear the swag you want like you know when it gets cold out you see Justin put the left glove on um, mm-hmm. and Good i don't point. know you know for, for guys like you know for me like now that it's getting cold you watch my games now i wear two gloves just i'm 5 foot 9 i got decent sized hands but i just it's like putting sticky tack on a pitcher when they when they when they're gripping the baseball right you get more right. revolutions on the ball that's how i feel when i wear two i wear two gloves now i just wore two gloves scored two, uh, six touchdowns in a game two weeks in a row Let's for those, go, you know, who are following. so
1: Six touchdowns, um, holy... You, 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 you do what you're
0: comfortable with, you know what I mean? So maybe that is a thing for, you know, in the Dome. You're not cold, you're not hot, just playing football. Um, the environment's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not thinking about the wind, you're not thinking about the rain or whatever's happening. So, yeah, I mean, shit, maybe, maybe it does matter.
1: Maybe it is a real thing. For all our betters out there and all people that are probably watching us while you're watching uh, Thursday Night Football... I'm putting $10 on the Buccaneers to win the game right now. They're down nine points. or They're down 11, sorry. They're down 11 at the two-minute warning. They have, <laughs> they have two timeouts. They're I'm on their own 25. A, I'm feeling a miracle, Kellen. I'm putting okay. $10 down. I, I think the Buccaneers are going to pull this off. This, this, this has to happen. Brady has gone 302 games or 305 straight games without losing uh, or three, three consecutive games. You're telling me tonight is the night? No way. All right. Live bet the Patriots. Or not the Patriots. Jesus Christ. Live bet the Buccaneers. Buccaneers. You can win yourself a ridiculous amount of money. Um, Shout out Betstamp. Shout out Betstamp. Use code BEARS when signing up for Betstamp. Kellen's doing the promo for me. Here I am. I I do everything for this show, and I completely forget to do the damn promo. Uh, I apologize. But use code. If you guys are over 21 and are able to bet, download Betstamp. Uh, even if you're not able to, to bet legally, I'm sure you do. There's Bovada and there's other websites that give you the capability to do that. Use code BEARS and bet Stamp. It helps us out a lot. We really, really would appreciate if you guys could download that app and use our code. Uh, that would mean so much to us. We appreciate you guys' continued support. This is the point in the show where I hope to have convinced Kellen for the last hour and five minutes that the Bears can win the game on Sunday, and we will see if it comes true because it is our game predictions portion of the show for all of you guys in here again we appreciate you got good viewership right now for all of you 10.09 central time 11.09 eastern time while you're watching us uh in bed or wherever you may be i don't know but here you are all right kellen bears cowboys noon on sunday we laid out the narratives coming off a huge win against the patriots on monday night again in jerry's road in a dome though it's justin in a dome maybe he's a different animal under uh the enclosed roof I know where I'm leaning in this game. I had to kind of convince myself to do it as well, but I hope I did the same for you. Let's get the official prediction from Kellen Garrison on Bears-Cowboys uh, on Sunday. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Do it. Okay. <laughs> you know, we, you know I, 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 okay, go. You, let, let's say this again. I'm 5-2 and two on the year in picks. Kellen's doing for. I'm not saying this to, <laughs> to rub it in. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you were to believe anyone, you you know. I, I'm just saying. No, he needs a win this week. Kellen needs a win to get back to 500 on the picks record. Who we uh-huh. got?
0: I'm gonna take the Chicago Bears to win this week. Woo-hoo,
1: we yeah. did it. We did yeah. it. What's the logic though? Yeah. You can't just say. We need a logic. The, the Cowboys actually
0: have a pretty solid pass defense. I just looked it up. They're, like, top 10 in the league in passing yards allowed. But, yeah. um, Kevin, you're right, man. Momentum matters. Coming off a win like that matters. Um, you're, like you tweeted out, I loved Iberflue saying, who's surprised by this? Everyone said, nobody. And he goes, oh, well, that's what happens. when When we put the work in, we execute. And he's such like a – he's really like a – Pedestrian level rah rah guy, like he he doesn't have any of that, you know. And I and I like that. I kind of like that because Nagy, you know, and it's I love the way Nagy celebrated wins. I like I really liked it, you know, with the boom, and, you know, all that was really cool and really fun to see. But was it sustainable? Was this style of football sustainable? Obviously not. So I think this is more geared toward the Bears and um, coaching matters. And I am not a fan of Mike McCarthy as a football coach in the National Football League. Um, Dak Prescott is a. Uh, did he play against the Eagles? No, he didn't. Right?
1: Nope. That was Cooper Rush on Sunday night. Yeah.
0: So this is his first game back. Zeke is hurt. Not second really that matters. They beat. They beat oh, the, the Lions second last week. Oh, that, no! Man, that's not a real football team. Um. True. I'm going to take the basically Bears. a bye <laughs> I, I think. I think this is the. You know, sometimes weird things happen in the NFL, and the better team does not win. And this is one of those weeks.
1: It was one of those weeks last week. It wasn't just the Bears and the Patriots. It was the Commanders and the Packers. It was the Panthers and the Buccaneers who look like they might lose again and I might lose out on my money here. Uh, God damn it. Someone stop me. It's okay. Use code BETSTAMP and it'll be all right. Or use code BEARS in BETSTAMP and it'll be all right. Uh, weird things are happening. It's not just this week or last week. It's been the entire season in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jets are 5-2. and two. The 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 Giants are six and one. Like, if there if any given Sunday, if there was ever a year where that has been as true as ever, it's this year. And mm-hmm. again, you said coaching matters. Like Matt Eberflus was the best coach on the field on Monday night against the greatest yeah. coach of all time. He yeah. outcoached him and not just barely out-coached him. He and Belichick, dominated
0: Belichick complimented him on it too. And like it was made they made like kind of a scene in midfield at the end of the game. Like Belichick was very Belichick felt the need. And that's rare, Matt Eberflus. Yeah, that never happens. He traditionally doesn't give a fuck about anyone else.
1: No, very rare. There's been controversy before of him not shaking hands and and him not being nice uh, in in those post game meetings that they do. So, yeah, that's a significant thing. Like he sees something in Matt Eberflus, and you know, you kind of kind of look at hindsight now. And everyone was, I think you tweeted it after he did his whole spiel of how good he thought the Bears were three days before the game. And I think you said you were like, "This is not good." You said this is not good. <laughs> and maybe he, he was onto something. Maybe he knew he, maybe saw the he was on the wall. Onto something, man. <laughs> he knew.
0: Um, I trust my eyes, but I trust Bill Belichick's eyes more than mine. So maybe he sees something we don't.
1: Yeah, you, you probably should. All right. What was your score prediction for the game? You said the Bears are going to win. I need a specific score for the game. I'm going to go 31 24. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Back to back 30 point games. Brady sacked.
0: Because why the hell not, Kevin? Because why the hell not?
1: Yeah, because why the hell not is right, all right? This is what I like to hear. This is what I love to hear. You're going in on the Bears, and so am I, all right? This is what we're going to do, baby. Let's go. I do believe in what this team has built, and I said it from the start. This team, I think, can win nine games this year, ten games, and if they play like they did against the the New (laughs) England Patriots, 100% they can win that many games. Is Bill passing the torch, says Ron Wynarski? I mean – I mean maybe. Yes. I'm, I'm let's just <laughs> for the sake of it, let's say yes. Like if, if Matt Eberflus were here for twenty five plus years and won you six Super Bowls, seven, I'd I'd be pretty happy. So for the that sake, we're gonna would
0: be after the first Super Bowl. Yes, the, if he won more
1: than one, man, statue imagine. would be built of Jack Sanborn if we won the first Super Bowl and he played like that. Like <laughs> you're building a statue of the entire team, like the like oh, Jack Sanborn. <laughs> like I need, I yeah, that's where we're at. He was our training camp hero. Uh That's what we're going with. But I have the Bears winning this game. Ah, what what score did I have? I think I said 24-23 20, Bears win, game-winning field goal by Cairo Santos. We have to give Ooh. that guy a little bit of credit. Not a little bit, but mm-hmm. a lot of bit of credit. I mean, Cairo Santos, NFC uh, Special Team Player of the Week, has been an absolute dog, nailing field goals from range as well. He's hit like pretty much all of his 50 yards. I think all of them this year, 50-plus mm-hmm. yards, and he's not a guy that has a lot of leg to him. Uh, hell of a job by Cairo Santos so far, and I think he continues. that. I think it's a close game again. For those who think the Bears are going to get boat raced, you're out of your damn mind. I mean, the Bears are eight and a half point underdogs. They're not losing by nine points. I mean, they've been close in every single game this year. And after mm-hmm. what they just did last week, I was shocked that they were nine, eight eight and a half point underdogs. I'm taking the Bears. I think this is a huge game where... The 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 Cowboys who are a turnover prone team are gonna turn the ball over and maybe the Bears do, but as long as you get one more turnover than the other team, your odds of winning the game are in your favor. If you win the turnover battle and win the turnover margin, I think they do that on mm-hmm. Sunday. I go Bears. 24-23. That's two Bears wins for Callan and I. Boy, does he need a win to get back to five hundred on the picking record before he loses all credibility. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't um, know it was that rough for me. I'm not gonna lie to you. It it, 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 you got, yeah, you got to look at the graphics, man. You, uh, it's because it, you've been baited. Like, you've, you've believed in the Bears when you rightfully should have believed in them, you know, and then you believe, you didn't believe in them when you shouldn't have. Like, like me really? picking the Patriots was unexpected. Like, you had every right in the world, or, or me picking the Bears in that game, sorry, was unexpected. You did have every, you had every right in the world, uh, logically, to pick the Patriots in that game. Who else yeah. did you pick? You, you, like, I think the problem was – I picked you them to beat the hard. Packers. Yes, exactly. Yeah, That's what I mean. The, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. they've been a I confusing I thought the slip
0: and slide was – yeah, I thought that was going to carry over to the next week. It didn't happen.
1: They have been – you know what? I think earlier in the show I said the Texans game was after the Bears game or after the 49ers game. I you did. You did. It was Bears – it okay. was 49ers, Packers, then Texans. But anyway, know, two know Bears picks. I'm just sitting here watching here. The Buccaneers had the ball to 12 yards. Let's see if I win my money. Throw a fade ball to Mike Evans' fantasy. Oh, he threw it to God knows who. Chase Cade Kate Oten. Kate Otten. Bum. Uh, anyway, appreciate you guys <laughs> in the chat. All you guys still watching? Go to bed. Go to sleep. Play video games. Do your nightly routine. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us here at Bears Nation Podcast on. Tuesday Night Bears Therapy on a Thursday with Kellen Garenstein and myself, Kevin Lapka. Appreciate you guys again. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. And let's go. Let's hope the Bears bring home a second victory in a row on Sunday and move to 4-4 and and be right in the thick of things in the playoffs, baby. Appreciate you guys soon, and we'll see you next week. Take care.